Welcome to the Neurodiverse Toolbox with Sheila Kieschlin and Paige Kieschlin. Good morning, Paige. Good morning, Mom. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? That's such a lie. You don't feel good. Um, so um, we are very lucky to have a guest this morning. Um, so with us today is Father Michael O'Loughlin, who is the priest in California. I'm going to let him give his own little bio. He used to be my priest at our church. Um, and so while it might seem strange that we would have a priest on as a guest, Father Michael um, also has ADHD. And so we're just going to have a conversation about how that supports him in the work that he does. But um, welcome, Father. Thank you guys for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, absolutely. I know you do lots of podcasting yourself. So this is probably the only uh, non-faith-based podcast you've been asked to be on. So we appreciate you coming. Um, why don't you give us like a three-minute bio? Sure. Um, I was born and raised in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm the oldest of five children. Uh, wonderful parents. Um, I cannot complain. I've been a priest now 18 years and I realize how much a relationship with one's parents affects general happiness and contentment, confidence, et cetera, throughout your one's whole life. And I was very, very blessed and lucky to have the parents I did, um, especially since they, me and my siblings, all five of us, in in a sense, live very different lives than they did. They are they're kind of introverts, and they oh. like their they like their quiet time and and. All of us tend to go out and and want to see the big world and and have a certain wanderlust, if you will, um, and and that that's in various ways. Um, I went uh, to school for twelve years, all public school through through in Albuquerque, and then I went out to college. I went to California for a time, went to Steubenville, Ohio for a time, went to grad school in Pittsburgh. I was ordained a priest in two thousand five, in uh, in my hometown of Albuquerque. Then I spent uh, 14 years in Denver, Colorado. That's where I met you, Sheila, um, as, as the pastor of the Byzantine Catholic Church in Denver, Colorado. And then three years ago, right before COVID hit, I was moved by my bishop. It's like the military. You go where you're sent. And I was sent to uh, Los Angeles, California. And now I have um, a parish in Los Angeles and a parish up in Santa Paula, California, about an hour north in Ventura County. And awesome. that's the quick version. That is the quick version. Good, good job. Uh, so it's not always quick for everybody. Um, so um, we ask all of our guests the same thing questions, which I think we've gotten some pretty interesting answers to. So, <laughs> so Paige, okay. what is something you can't go a day without doing? You know, I, I, despise, and I think this is probably maybe probably part of my ADHD, I despise um, the discipline of like a, a regular schedule. I, I, I don't, if, if I have a booked week or even a booked day, it, it I hate it. I hate it. I, I want to be free. I want to be able to be open to whatever I want to do in the moment and to, to take the day by ear, if you will, and just kind of um, feel it out. Um, but the one thing I cannot go without is I need to get out in public as soon as possible. So I have a favorite coffee shop. And if I don't get out to that coffee shop, I will be looking for a moment to do that the whole day. Even if I just go out and I order a coffee and get back in my car, I drive back to my my house. 
I, I need I need to kind of make sure that the wider world is still there, <laughs> and I need and I need to engage with it. I need to get out there, see people, chat with p- a few people, get my coffee, and then I can get on with the day. So as much as I don't like those daily rituals, I'm trying to, the word I'm trying to think of I can't think of. Um, I don't like the daily rituals in general. There's certain rituals like that that I need, or I just will not feel rested or content with the day. Nice. That is definitely a unique answer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, what habit have you found that helps your brain the most? So again, as part of that, and I'm going to think of the word I'm thinking of in a moment. Um, it's not, it's not ritual, but there's some sort of discipline structure. Routine. Routine. There it is, Sheila. Thank you. Um, I, I really don't like routine. Um, but the way that I I force myself to have certain routines that are helpful is by seeing the the bigger picture. So I, for instance, in in, in my Byzantine Catholic Church, every Monday we ask for the intercession of the angels. Every Tuesday we ask for the intercession of John the Baptist. So if if somebody told me, hey, let's do this every Monday, I would go, nope, no, 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 no. I I, I do not want to bog down every Monday with with some certain thing I have to do every single time. Um, but if I can focus on something bigger than Monday or bigger than me, namely um, something spiritual that actually helps me focus on the transcendent, that's what helps me focus. So some somebody doing something for the sake of the well running of an organization is not going to convince me to, to add that to my schedule. But if somebody says this is going to make you holy and happier in, because of the transcendent, I, I will, I will submit to that reality and actually find a joy in it. Well, that actually makes more sense. I was like, how can you not like routine and be in the church oh, all the yes. time? Cause it's extremely routine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's actually what I like about the church um, is that it is routine. But um, but that your answer totally makes those pieces connect now. Yeah, so. I have to I have to force it. And but but I can force it by finding a, a bigger reason to to have the routines rather than just making my life more effective. <laughs> That's not convincing enough for me, I guess. OK, um, what are you excited about today? Today, I already got my coffee in the morning. I actually came from there already. Um, so today I have, I'm going to go buy poinsettias for the church for Christmas. And then tonight we have every Wednesday evening, um, one of the routines I had to submit to. Every Wednesday evening, we have a prayer service in the church and Emmanuel Malevin tonight. And then we have a fire pit. And and we people stick around the fire pit. Los Angeles is beautiful year round. So you can just sit outside every Wednesday night and we light a fire. There's probably 10 to 15 um, mostly young adults who come and we sit around that fire. And I like smoking cigars and we have a drink and we have some homemade food potluck. And sometimes we go until the early, early hours of the morning. But that that social interaction with the people that come to pray and then just hang out is is what I'm looking forward to today. Nice. Um, so let's talk about ADHD and how it affects, let's start with like your work, your vocation, um, both, um, in the parish itself and I guess the outreach, Mm -hmm. so you have that outreach now. Um, and then separate when you're away, I know you do lots of stuff. So like it's two separate things. Let's talk about those a little. Yeah. 
So my my time and my vocation in the parish, um, you know, we have what's called a pastoral handbook. So this is a guide the bishop gives us that that says, here's all the things you need to do. And you need to make sure that that you're providing this information, you're paying these taxes, you're keeping these registers, your registers, you're keeping um these um we have what's called a sacramental registry that where everybody I mean, there's it's full of details, dates and names and and very specific things. And, and I have to keep all these records. And I that's the hardest part of my life because my ADHD is 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 trying to be disciplined enough to spend the time doing something that I, I don't see the immediate benefits of. And there's so many other things that I think are more important in my brain uh, than those things. And so in the in the parish, I. I have been very effective by the grace of God at interacting with people. I love talking with people. I love praying with them. I love um, going to lunch with them, taking walks with them. I love um, all of the the conversational aspects of of, of having a parish family because the parish is very much like a family. And and so I go to every home at least once a year. I know the names of all the kids. I know the names of every single one of my parishioners. Um, that's all the part that I love. Um, and so the, it is, it's making sure that all the other things are done, eating that frog as, as some would say, you know, do the, do the yes. thing you don't want to do and, and do it first. It's getting all those things out of the way so that I feel free enough to, to now move with the spirit and, and kind and take the day of what's going to come respond to every doorbell. I'm like a child. Most people don't like people ringing the doorbell, but I, if it gets me out of the office, I will do anything. Text me. You want to go to coffee? Absolutely. A doorbell <laughs> ring. Let's, let's, let's chat. Like the, those little distractions I love, but it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. So um, my, my ministry of engaging with people um, in the parish life and and being a sounding board and and a voice of fatherhood of leadership that's why they call me father um in in people's lives in that way is something that um, being easily distracted and liking distractions um is is helpful I have to I have to force myself to do the other whereas going outside to my evangelization which I love I love going to coffee shops and to bars so just and want to make I, a note before we move on to that piece. Um, so in the Byzantine Catholic Church, if you don't know anything about it, check out the description and I'll link Father Michael's other um, podcast to it um, and some other information. But I think uh, other people might be thinking of other Christian churches or Roman Catholic churches, which are really big and usually have lots of staff. Byzantine Catholic churches are very small and don't have staff usually maybe a person or two maybe a volunteer right so like for those pieces like how do you, how are you handling those things are you like forcing yourself into doing those things or are you like do you have a volunteer that comes and helps you have a bookkeeper what yes i i have before i moved out here um, I knew I was getting moved to this parish and I and I talked to my spiritual director, so kind of my mentor, my spiritual mentor. And I said, um, you know, I I want to start fresh. I, I know myself. I've been a priest now for 14 years. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And I don't want to get myself 
into the same situation I had on my, at my first gig. So Denver was my very first assignment and I made all the mistakes and I, I didn't know myself well and I struggled and struggled. I said, okay, this is a fresh start. So I called the priest who I was replacing here and I said, do you have staff? And he said, I have a, a woman. Her name is Anne. She comes in on Saturday mornings and she she inputs all the all of the numbers from the donations and the things like this and make sure that it all goes into a a financial software program. And we're recording all the information, keeping the records. And I said, that's great because you're right, Sheila, like we don't have we generally don't have zero staff. And so we do everything. One person does everything. So I said, that's great. So then I said, um, pretty much, what's your budget? And he told me the budget. And I said, I would love to use part of that budget, take away my take away cable TV, take away all a lot of the things that, that I'm not going to use um, because of my personality and put them in paying a secretary to come in and do more than she's doing now. And that's exactly what happened. Thank God for Anne. She comes in and she spends now two days a week instead of one. And, and when the mail comes in, she takes all the bills and I open them up. I do an initial, put my initials on them to be paid. I record them on my own, um, my own register that, that she has access to. So she can see that I've done it. And then she goes into QuickBooks and she writes the checks she fills out the envelopes. She puts a stamp on them. She puts them in a pile. I sign the checks, stick them in the envelope, and put it in the mail. And it's it's a great system of accountability on either end. And it's it's great to know that if I have a rough week and I'm really, really distracted, she's fine. She's going to get it done, and I'm going to have a stack of checks on my desk that I already know are there in a sense, and that I, I, I send them out. Um, I also have a woman in my parish named Carolina. God bless Carolina as well. And in the church, we talk about stewardship. You know, how are we using time, treasure, and talent uh, for for the you know the people who need it? And so this woman is is a coach like you, Sheila, and she is she's amazing at guiding, and she she knows my personality, and she loves me. And she said, "Father, let's once a week sit down." And you go through your week with me and you tell me what you're going to do today. We have a Trello uh, to-do list that we share. She sees everything on it. So I have a second list that's confidential for, for things that need to be confidential, but I, but I keep things very general with her and I put it there. And so every single week she looks at the past week and how I did, looks at the upcoming week. We, she shares my things. She says, where is this on the schedule? You need to actually put this on your schedule or you're not going to do it. And and she she's amazing. So I have people that I'm able to pay because of the budget to get some things done. And then I have other people that she's a volunteer. She just says, I'm going to use my talent to help you father. And so both of those are ways that I've brought other people into the structure of what I need to get done in order to keep me accountable. Nice. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. Cause I think, I think a lot of people might think of, you know, some churches are much bigger and have lots of staff yeah. and, and we don't. So you, we nope. need to find creative ways to, um, to get stuff done, but people with ADHD in general need to think of creative ways to get things done mm -hmm. and accountability and, a, and externalizing that accountability is often very, very helpful. So great. Cool. So tell us a little bit about your work sort of away from the par parish where you're evangelizing yes. and how ADHD plays into it. Right. Yes. So, um, when when my my vocation my work at the parish is because it's so small, um, I know everybody and they know me really really well and so it's 
there's an investment that I need to have that that is one of the struggles of ADHD is being consistent. So I I, I fight to be consistent over years of my ministry because these people are my family now and I know them and they know me really well. Evangelization, when I go out, I go out to, like I said, coffee shops, bars, just I go out to where the people are and I just allow them to strike up a conversation or I strike up a conversation. What, what, allows my ADHD to thrive in those situations is that I think my ADHD um, allows me to have a good first impression and I can be, I can be charming and engaging in, in a first conversation and we sit down and we may have a two hour conversation and I just met the person and we chat and we chat and we chat and we chat and I thrive in that situation. Absolutely thrive there. The struggle is when Are they still going to be as intrigued by the truth, the beauty, and the goodness that I'm trying to use in the conversation when I can't be consistent a year or two in? They're like, oh my gosh, Father, our first meeting was so great, and you had all these questions, all these answers, but then they're like – and you have not returned an email in two weeks. You know, a, a year in, um, you're not getting you're not getting to my text. It's like that that consistency is a hard part for me. So the evangelization, first impressions, all those things, my ADHD, because mine is a form where I am deeply, deeply engaged as long as there's a lot of distractions. As odd as that sounds, it is kind of a unique form. When when the doctor diagnosed me. Um, he said, you're, you're, you do better in crowded rooms, don't you? And I said, yes. He said, you go crazy in a quiet room by yourself, don't you? I said, yes. If sitting in a room by myself, I go absolutely crazy. I need the little distractions. I need distraction, 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 and then focus. Distraction, 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 focus. And the little distractions actually help me focus. So I'm the evangelization, when I'm out in a bar or a coffee shop, uh, is is where I'm at my best because there's all these distractions going on and yet I'm able to really, really focus. And I like focusing and I think people like being focused on. <laughs> so all those things come together in a situation that, that may, has made it quite successful. Thank God. Nice. Um, I don't know. What else are we not asking about evangelizing? Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about emails, texts, those other kinds of things that Anne can't do for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I have to get very good at, and I've been doing this for 18 years now, so I need to get better at, I'll say that right up front. <laughs> those, those who listen to this that know me are going to say, Father, you have not gotten better at that. Well, I'm trying to get better at that. Um, I have to focus on um, like planning organizations. So I can't tell you, especially because my podcasts and because of my evangelization, people, how many times people say, Father, can you recommend a book? Or father, can you recommend a place to buy icons? You know, I get that question all the time. And I I will spend an hour of time that I don't have um, returning an email about what books to read or what prayers to say or what icons to buy. Whereas if I just put the work in to have a set response, <laughs> here's <laughs> some books and, and, and had a link on our website that said, here's where we recommend buying icons no are, are what background do you come from what level of theology do you have here's some books we recommend you know i i, I like chatting with people because i don't ever want to like feel like make people feel like they're being blown off like oh father what's the book you recommend oh go to this website like that that's just i, I want to be able to say oh you know here, here's an idea but also go to the website um so planning ahead um because i i will have 10 emails to read if in two hours 
and I will spend an hour and a half on one of those. In in and because I just it's hard to sit down, it's hard to crank it out. Um, so I have learned to sometimes I just need to say, you know, let's make this a phone call. The the what what's going to take me an hour in an email would take me ten minutes in a phone call. Let's wait till you see me in person. Pull me aside because I'm I'm better in person over the phone than I am in emails or texts. Um, or I just have to be very very blunt and and say like I'm just I need I'm sorry I I need to say no like I'll if I have some time today I'll Google it but I would just encourage you to Google it you know Google it find the answer there <laughs> if you have any questions bounce it off me and just say no and and have to say I need to be more disciplined than I am right now I need to do the things I don't want to do and so I just need to say um you know i'm sorry if you can if you can look it up if you're not satisfied after googling it come back to me you know because i want to be a father i want to be a guide um but it's just sometimes i get so caught up in the the longer responses that do not need long responses and i just need to be very quick with emails crank them out with texts emails phone calls rather than doing what i would say is the ideal but would but would be imprudent in how much time and effort that takes me yeah i am um... I definitely have clients who, um, while I've been in a session with them, have developed templates for email mm. responses yeah. that then just need a little, right? But it's, again, it's that accountability with me, me right there with them. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they wouldn't do it, right? Yep. Um, I'm going to totally, I'm working on the website at our parish. We're, we're, we're ah, okay. doing it. Uh, I'm totally going to steal your ideas for books and icons. Yeah. <laughs> Cause you're right. I mean, like I've Googled it. I know where I buy mine, but yeah. yeah, that's a, that's a good idea to just have it right on there. Um, so tell me a little bit about how ADHD impacts just your personal day-to-day life. Not, not the vocation, just like you as a person. <laughs> You know, I, I I know that we're all individuals and I don't know how much of this is ADHD, how much of it is temperament, how much it is, you know, genes, all those things. But I'll, I'll, I always kind of, I think ADHD is such an ever present thing in my life that I'm, you know, that I'm, that I, I think I can say, um, I, I am just really happy. And, and, you know, I, I, I feel that this is part of being a phlegmatic and being a sanguine, um, but I forget everything almost immediately i am horrible with names and and i so i can have a really good experience and 10 minutes later it's i'm on to the next thing and and that that good experience is so far out of my mind that i'm just kind of back to normal and i can have a really bad experience and also 10 minutes forget about it and be on with it so i i don't know that's don't really know. i think your temperament because most people with adhd okay. like ruminate oh see not me yeah, okay. no, no, which is what a blessing for you. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it is rumination and like this negative brain bias that most people have, it seems mm. to have like skipped your gene pool. Yeah. <laughs> or your genes individually, which is great. I, I know I am I am very, very blessed to have that. The one the one time that I do ruminate, the one time that I do kind of let myself uh get myself down. Um, is when I have an insecurity that I know about and that that I that I have I've messed up in this way over and over and over again. Let's just take like not getting back to someone for 48 hours, you know, let's use that for example. And so if somebody points that out, 
that's when I get, I, I, I need to avoid the, the self-condemnation that comes in that because I'm like, you're saying what I say to myself. Like I, I, what, what you're saying out loud and I'm hearing with my ears is what I normally just say in my head. And, and, and it's, it's hard to hear it with my ears because I'm already saying it to myself in my head. Um, so that's when I get kind of caught up in those things. But then in all honesty, all of a sudden a friend calls and says, let's go out to lunch and it's gone. It's gone until I'm back alone again. And I think that's why I like all the distractions is I'm easily distracted um, even from those very negative thoughts. Yeah. Um, are there other ways or other tips or tricks or things that you do just like for yourself to make things easier for you? Like, no, yeah. I don't know, like meal preparation or um, just like, I don't know, anything. Yeah, I I think you're assuming that I'm successful in this. I'm, <laughs> I'm just like... <laughs> wondering if there's anything that you do do that is helpful, right? That's that, no, that's a, that's an excellent question. I I wish there was more things that I could say. I used to be this way, and now I'm better. Um, I I do know that having finding um, I, this is this may sound kind of odd, but I I love really really well. And and I I put a lot of effort into loving people and going out of my way. I'm I'm very willing to be inconvenienced in most ways um, for the people that I love, and I absolutely treasure relationships. And I think what that does is it it allows people to say, um, Father Michael's weaknesses are worth it because of his strengths. And so it's the the weaknesses are lessened and, and people are much more patient with me than they would be with other people because in, in other ways, in the ways that I enjoy relationships and friendships and my spiritual sons and spiritual daughters, and they will all say, you know, I, I, anybody else I would, or most other people, I would, it, this relationship would not be worth it. It's just too much too much effort I have to put into to get a response from a text or an email or whatever it may be, or I have to remind Father Michael over and over and over again for something I need that's going to take him a little bit of time to do. Um, but but most people, not all, of course, but most people will say, but it's worth it for the positives in the relationship. So but have, having people trying trying to get better and better about loving well um, and and being able to sacrifice some of my own selfish joys for for the more communal ones and ones that are that are helpful to others um that that I found a, a, just having patient loving people in my life has allowed me to to get through a lot yeah there's um in my coaching I talk a lot about processing modalities mm. so there are you know, it's, some of them are exactly what you think, right? I'm more visual, I'm more auditory, right? But there's also, we did a podcast on it, um, but there's also ones that that have nothing to do with your senses, right? So one of them is called emotional and it's really about valuing relationships. Mm. And so when you talk, that's definitely one that I hear for you that is a big connector, right? Mm. Like that's what gets you to do things, right? Is that you you do love people, right? And you do absolutely. Well, and um, yeah, right. So that's a that's a great strength, right? To be able to to have that. I got in a lot of trouble when I was a kid in middle school and, and early high school, and the my best friend that I got in a lot of trouble with, he was horribly afraid of the police, but he he was 
his parents, he would just kind of talk back to them and he would, if they got mad at him, he really wouldn't care. And I was the exact opposite. I, if my parents were disappointed in me, that was, that was horrible. I, it, it, it would just, I, I would feel so down, but the police I could talk to all day long and, 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 and be confident and, and get us out of scrapes. And so we, we, we kind of had this partnership. If we got in trouble, I would talk to the cops and then they would bring us back to his house because if they brought them back to my house, my parents would be disappointed, but they'd bring them back to his house. So we had this, this great partnership. So yes, there's my, my greatest inspiration to get the things done. I do not want to do is, is relationships. It's the the people that I, I do not want to disappoint anybody. I do want to impress people. I do want them to say, oh my gosh, Father Michael, you're getting better. I do not want them to say, really, again, Father? You know, the the, the those, how people see me, especially the people I treasure, not everybody, I've gotten over that, thank God. Um, but, you know, the, the people that I love, how they see me, how they respect me, how they how they thank me and how I can serve them and may that make their life better will, will is what inspires me to do the things I don't want to do and the things I'm not good at. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'd say that's true for a lot of my clients. Mm. Right. Um, what about family? Is there anything different within um, how you relate to your siblings or your parents than, than other people? You know, I'm the oldest of five. And so now I'm I'm 44 years old. My youngest sister is 12 years younger than me. So she's um what 36. Am I doing the math right? Uh no, no, 32. Uh, she's she's 32. So um none of us can do math apparently. Yeah, exactly. It, that's probably <laughs> probably ADHD. Um, so anyway, they're all adults, they're all married. Um, they all I have 18 nieces and nephews. And so, but, but all, all of us being adults has really taught me and especially growing up with these other four human beings and my two parents, um, I, I feel that we as a family have a really beautiful sense of interdependence. In other words, we don't need to be all things to all people. And I am, I am very aware that my brother, Sean, who is a pilot with nine kids, two kids adopted that, 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 that if somebody says to me, um, you know, how do you, how do you praise a family? I don't need to give them an answer. I can say, call Sean because, because he has nine children that he prays with every single night, you know? And so, so there's a certain interdependence in us that we don't need to be all things to all people. Christopher is, is a wonderful detective and, and he, he knows, he knows the ways of the world and he has four kids of his own that are the oldest of the group. One is, is now at college. And so there, there's certain things that I've seen in temperament, personality, discipline that that I don't need to answer every question that comes to my family. And, and and if something happens and we need somebody to handle something for the family, we can we know each other well enough to say, I think this is more in your purview, Teresa. You know, can can you do this? So so there's a certain rest I have in my strengths because my family being a priest and and being um you know one who has uh the time and the energy to do certain things since i don't have kids um there's certain things that i do because that's my role in the family and then there's certain things i can't do because of my role i'm the only one that lives out of state they all live in colorado um so there's certain things i can't do so 
um, being able to rest in the fact that I don't need to be all things to all people and that there's, I, I can see my strengths and use them and they see their strengths and use them. We all understand our weaknesses and they, they're not debilitating within the context of the family because we have so much support from others. And when our, when the nieces and nephews become adults themselves, it's, it's going to be a much broader competency even as a family as we start to see their personalities blossom what they can do what they can't do etc my, my niece shaylee she's coming home from college and she's putting together the annual photo book this year for the whole family like that i i would be done in march if that were <laughs> given to me it would be a back burner thing until the deadline and on the i'd finish it up the night before i'd, I'd stay up all night and i'd finish it up that's my personality <laughs> she's is going to get it done on time and probably a week ahead of time so it's good we gave that job to her Right. Yeah, for sure. My mom used to send out um, St. Patrick's Day cards mm. instead of Christmas cards because there's okay. just too much going exactly. on. <laughs> right? like, was just, she sent out my dad where it used to work for IBM. So she'd send out like the work IBM ones, okay. right? Yep. Important, right? Especially like back in the day. Um, but family, no, they, they all got St. Patrick's <laughs> Day cards. And she was I first heard, generation born in the U.S. from mm. Ireland, right? Okay. So. So it all made sense. It all wrapped around. Um, are you the only member of your family that has ADHD? You don't really have to answer that. I'm asking you to sell. No, no, life. I, I don't think <laughs> they would mind if I said they did. I don't, I, I think I'm the one that has it the strongest. Yes. I, I don't, I, I don't. Yeah. I, I may be the only one. My parents certainly don't. Um, Cause it's highly all- genetic. Hmm. It's actually the most giant genetic condition passed down. Well, that and dyslexia, right? So, so it's interesting. I am. Um, I have another client who's a pilot as well, and um, he's uh, he's very um, kinesthetic. He like he mo- mm-hmm. he like rocks wildly while we're talking, um, and um, and uh, but pilots can't take any medication either. Yeah. Right. So you have to be really interested in and really love. Right. So that that's what keeps him focused when he's flying. Right. Is that he's so interested in flying and he loves flying so much that that's not a problem. Right. But um, but it's yeah. my doctor told me um, that I can either go on medication, which I did for a while. Um, and, and I just, as a priest, we don't make enough money really to, to get the, the good medication. Yeah. So, no, so, um, he said, or you can just drink a lot of coffee <laughs> and he's you like for your type of ADHD. So I drink yeah. a lot of coffee and it, it does, it does calm me down coffee. Actually. I think, I think the way, the way he described it was your brain is working on so many levels and going everywhere so quickly that when you drink coffee, it raises your body to that, to that level of it also attention. like the the what a stimulant does in the brain if it's medication or coffee is that it actually blocks something so your dopamine mm. can't because it's not that you actually don't you don't make enough dopamine and other things um but they also like they yeah they short circuit that's a good word for it they short circuit mm. so you're not right so when you have a stimulant it's actually like blocking something so that more of it stays in your brain, right? Same thing happens okay. when you. Um, same thing happens when you like are with people or in conversation or feeling like close to people, 
that's probably why you're really on in those situations, mm. right? Um, the, the same thing happens when you exercise, right? But we can't all just be like chit-chatty. That's why the kid in middle school that you move from one seat to another, it doesn't matter what seat you put him in. He's going to make a friend anywhere yep. because he needs the dopamine hit. Yep. And so it doesn't matter where you move him, right? Hmm. Um, so when I used to sub, I used to be like, just like if there's a kid who I knew had ADHD significantly, right? I'd be like, well, like, what do you want me to do for you today? Right? Like, how can I help you get through this class? Right? Yeah. Um, which, which I think they appreciated some of them. Um, so yeah, cool. Um, what else? Other thoughts? Other things you want to share or could share or? You know, I I do. I do one thing I've, I've realized over the just the past few years is what I mentioned a little bit earlier, and that's that my my daily schedule of getting getting out of the office as soon as possible, seeing people, getting my coffee, engaging with the world, and then coming back and and just doing the things I don't want to do first. It makes the second half of the day so. And I, I the, any success I have comes from that 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 freedom to to take the day to take what comes and, and react to it and 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 thrive in that situation but the discipline has to happen first and and it's it was so hard to to get that done in the beginning anything to get out of the office i would do i hated it um but now i do i do work in coffee shops i even work in bars i'm that weird guy at you know, 8 p.m. sitting in a bar reading a book, you know, by, by himself. And, and then if anyone wants to talk, I talk to them um, because that's the part of my ministry that I love. That's the part of my, my my work that I love. But I have to get the other things out of the way first I have found for myself so that I can have that freedom and that joy that comes with that part of my life. That whole idea of you like getting out in public, getting your coffee, doing a little social stuff really aligns with this idea in ADHD coaching of doing what's interesting first, mm. right? Mm. With ADHD, you have an interest-based brain as opposed to an importance-based brain, right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so you're doing, you are doing something interesting first and getting that dopamine built up so that you can go back to the office and do what you don't want to do, right? You just, you, you, I, I never knew that that was a thing, but that makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah how much so you like, for that? That was, that was helpful. Doing that, right? <laughs> so then, right, when I coach my clients, I'm like, okay, so what's most interesting? Like, mm. what about that seems interesting? Or what? I have one client that wakes up a half an hour early so that he can play video games before he goes. Mm. And I get like, that. You know, a guy in his like late 30s, right, has a pretty serious job. Wow. Um, but he like video games are interesting. Mm. So he gets up a half an hour early, plays his video games has a he has an alarm on his phone that says no really you need to get in the shower right now <laughs> goes and gets in the shower he gets to work he does his work which he loves mm -hmm. um and then um yeah but like you gotta start with that that interesting mm. thing first I like that it's very yeah. helpful yeah even like school projects when I'm coaching kids I'm like so what's like what do you like about doing a project the most right so I have one girl that like We'll set up the slides on her PowerPoint first because 
what's e- what she likes the best is like making it all color coordinated and making it pretty and putting in the pictures. The right. So exactly. The design is the best part. I agree. Um, so she'll make it all pretty, but she's also titling them while she does it. So she's actually setting up an outline for herself. Mm. Right. And so as soon as I gave her, like, I was like, that's a great idea. I think you should do that first. She was like, Oh, uh, oh really? Like I can do like that's allowed. I'm like you're allowed to do your homework anyway. That helps you get the homework done. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think a lot of times people just need permission. Mm. I for a while I coached a guy who was in fo- who worked for Focus. Okay. And he, um, it was almost like I needed to give him permission to like <laughs> do what he needed to do to make his brain work. So he actually ended up getting like a a regular watch a regular watch, remember those days, um, that mm-hmm. chimed on the hour. And on the hour, he would drop to the floor and do push-ups or crunches hmm. with like some kind of exercise. Yeah. Because in the office, at work. Um, so um, that really like that input of exercise, like really helped like center and focus him again. Mm-hmm. And he was like, but can I do like, he was a little, I think, concerned about working in such a conservative office. Like people would be like, that's weird or you're strange or whatever. (laughs) Um, But I was like, you can totally do that. That's allowed. You're allowed to do that. Right. Um, So I think it's sometimes about like finding the right solution for you Mm. or the right compromise. Right. The same guy, um, was losing a lot of money because he wouldn't do his expense reports for himself. Oh yeah. Right. Cause really boring task. Right. Yeah. And multiple steps. Right. So anything that's more than three steps, people with ADHD don't really want to do. Um, mm-hmm. So he ended up switching with the person who worked in the office, whose job it was to put away supplies. Mm-hmm. And so he would do that because she didn't like doing it. Nice. And she would enter his expense report, right? So sometimes it's about like trading or delegating, yeah. you know, whatever you can, right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah, right. So awesome. Um, do you have any other questions, Paige? Mm-hmm. No, I don't think so. No, okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Oh I'm gonna gosh, thank you. Stop the recording, but don't you go away. Okay. <laughs> Oh, uh, Paige, are you ready to say goodbye? Yeah. Boy. Thank you for listening. If you wanted to coach with me, see my information at bigbangcoaching.net. If you are interested in emailing us, you can reach us at thendtoolbox at gmail.com. And if you wanted to see our website, please go to theneurodiversetoolbox.com podbean.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Neurodiverse Toolbox.